film can be an expensive business. Something perhaps easy to forget nowadays when directors like Steven Soderbergh are shooting features, albeit with expensive crew and lighting setups, etc., with devices that hundreds of millions of us have in our pockets every day. But before digital photography and smartphones lowered the barrier of entry so dramatically, it took substantial sums of money. Darren Aronofsky's Pi had a production budget of around $60,000, a large sum for an individual, but an absolute pittance for Hollywood. Less expensive yet, and similarly shot on black and white film due to its substantially lower cost, was Kevin Smith's Clerks, costing around $27,500. In the how-did-they-do-that budget to success states, though, one filmmaker particularly stands out. Robert Rodriguez. His breakthrough feature, In Colour, had a production budget of a scarcely believable $7,225. Quite specific with the budget there, because I think at that level every dollar counts. <laughs> and apparently eager to create his legend early, he had an odd method of financing it. American movies, Mark Borchardt may have gone for the more traditional work low paying jobs until a rich relative dies approach and I guess still not make your movie Um, and Kevin Smith sold his belongings and maxed out credit cards but Robert Rodriguez raised more than half of his budget by participating in clinical trials of unproven drugs (laughs) talk about really putting yourself into your work the film uh, of course was El Mariachi where Rodriguez made his name the first of what would eventually become a trilogy and the start of quite an eclectic career, genre-wise, with his action and vampire films giving way to a number of children's films, of all things, grindhouse pastiches, comic book adaptations, and most recently big-budget studio sci-fi with Battle Angel Alita. But it's the gun-toting guitar player we're interested in here as we look at El Mariachi and Desperado. And if you'd like to hear our thoughts on the third part of the trilogy, then please check out our recent Once Upon a Time episode, where we've already covered it. So to business, mariachi films go. And I suppose, by way of a quick introduction, uh, this is Fudson Film. You have, you're either foolish or have stumbled onto this by accident, in which case we'll apologise in advance. <laughs> I'm Drew, and over there, you can't see where I'm pointing because he's actually several miles away, it's Scott. Well, hello. Uh, before we dive into El Mariachi, Scott, any particular opening arguments, I guess? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, obviously, we're doing this because we did a touch upon Once Upon a Time in Mexico in an episode not that long ago, and it felt like it would be a good idea to cover these. And we've also seen a few other uh, Rodriguez films of late with uh, the likes of Battle Angel Lodita, as you said, so it just kind of flows from that, I suppose. Rodriguez, not a completist in his work, but the stuff that I do see I always quite appreciate from most times when I, when I get my hands on it, so it was nice to go back and revisit these. Yes, um, certainly two films that um, put him on the map, and I think a lot of people uh, came to see it from the uh, that DVD disc with the two of them compiled. I think it seemed like everyone I knew seemed to have that uh, yes, back yes, in the... Uh, picture uh, precisely. Yeah, so, um, yes, possibly two of his most well-known films, and, uh, well, let's, let's see what we make of them. Okay, so, begin with El Marichin, it's... Well, but the first film's the obvious place to start, and let's not just be <laughs> weird for the sake of it. Rodriguez is Texan, but his parents are Mexican, and this provided him one way to keep costs down in his first film. Shoot in Spanish, in Mexico. And indeed, until it came to the attention of Columbia Pictures, the film had actually been intended for the Mexican straight-to-video market. Reynal Martinez's Azul survives an attempt on his life in a jail cell, organised by local narco Moco, Peter Marquard, 
As Sul escapes, taking with him his guitar case full of guns, and heads to Moko's city with revenge in his mind. Arriving in town at the same time is Carlos Gallardo's mariachi, seeking work and toting a nearly identical guitar case, though this one being used for its more traditional intended purpose. Oh no, I hope some unlikely guitar (laughs) case-related mistaken identity mix-up does not occur. (laughs) Well, you can imagine where it goes from here, and it's not fixing the cable. As he is chased across town by Moko's goons, led by the magnificently moustached Jaime de Hoyos as Bigoton, which in Spanish is just Big Moustache Man, (laughs) great character name that, (laughs) the unfortunate Mariachi is forced to kill to save his life. Before he meets, then falls in love with Consuelo Gomez's Domino, which eventually brings him face to face with both Moko and tragedy. So, plot-wise, it's hardly setting the world alight. And with a cast with a large number of non-professionals, often townsfolk to help get them on side with an initially unpopular production, it's no great shakes in the acting stakes either. Though, to be fair, both Gallardo and Gomez are plenty likeable. But it's the low-budget and somewhat scrappy production that makes it so successful. Is it a masterpiece? No, no, by no means. But it's a very assured first feature, and it has a very appealing rawness and vibrancy that go a long way to sanding off the rough edges and making its slight plot more exciting than it really has any right to be. Before we move on to its considerably glossier sequel, um, and obviously Scott will be chiming in here, but uh, I'll just say that perhaps the most interesting thing about El Mariachi is the story of its production, in particular the inventive ways Rodriguez found to not spend money, like replacing a dolly with him holding the camera while sitting in a wheelchair. (laughs) So if you have the DVD, it's definitely worth looking at the extras. And one final nugget. Rodriguez's minuscule $7,225 spend was actually, somehow, $1,775 under budget. (laughs) Wowzers. Yeah, uh, been a long time since I had seen either of these films, possibly getting into the double decades. Um, But uh, I was quite pleasantly surprised to go back to them. It still holds up pretty well. No real complaints with anything you say. Yes, it's a amateurish production in a number of levels, particularly some of the acting. Um, but it's just a really fun, inventive watch. Uh, Rodriguez, even from this uh, early stage, clearly knows how to caption, capture action and the rhythms of it. And that yep. really helps drive it through. Um, there's never really a dull moment. There's not really enough of a lull in proceedings to let you really focus too much on some of the perfunctory nature perhaps on some of the plot elements um it's not winning any awards for originality um in any of that regard but it's certainly just a, a real masterclass on how you can produce an awful lot with very little yeah it's, it's fun watching little inventive tricks of how you can save some money here and there and the reading more about it uh, gives it a more of an appreciation afterwards so yeah it's a very very interesting and rewarding film to watch just on that basis for anyone who's got any kind of interest or appreciation of how films are made this is a a real a real masterclass in watching uh and seeing how you can how you can make a little stretch a long way yeah and it, i mean there's such simple things there too which is like for instance what do you do when you show your main character uh, getting a coconut but forget to show and pay for it, and you don't want to make it seem like you stole it. Well, what you do is you stick in a very quick bit of voiceover which says, basically, the town gives away free coconuts to people visiting. <laughs> you know, it's just a yeah. simple inventive stuff like that. And it's the film so that, yeah, it's, I just like the... It feels fresh. Yeah. 
in a lot of ways and it's just you can see that it is shot on a budget and it's clear there aren't uh, many different takes of most things because there are a few mistakes here and there mm-hmm. but I don't want you to think either that it's somehow slapdash or anything like that it, it's rough and mm. it's raw but it's still got a vision it's still competently put together yeah and it's still entertaining and it's, I think um, we'll come on to it of course but it's why on this recent rewatch I think I refer this to Desperado because it, it does have that rawness it feels I'm going to guess use the word fresher again but it just it just feels like it's a wee bit more life to it yeah maybe because it's not so um, produced mm-hmm. I was about to say it doesn't it doesn't look like it's shot on a budget but it does look like it's shot on a budget it doesn't feel however like it's shot on a budget it feels like it's a, a full production that's just um, had to make some econ- economies along the line um, and yeah, yeah, it's got a bit more urgency to it. it, it maybe it feels a bit. Um, I think because it is so unpolished in, in a world where action films that, well, the action films that we tend to wind up seeing, um, there's there's a lot of unpolished garbage out there that we're not watching or talking about. But um, in terms of ones that are actually any good, this this would feel very different. Certainly, there's a lot of polished garbage as well, though, Scott. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, it, it certainly feels a lot different in that regard from other Rodriguez works because immediately after this you can start accusing him of having a lot more substance, uh, style than substance, yeah. um, leading all the way up to the likes of the really hyper-stylized things that he's done, like um, Sin City, City and yeah. uh, even Battle Angel, Angel uh, Lita, for, for that matter. And that one with Sylvester Stallone. Um, weird. Um, but uh, yeah, so in comparison with a lot of his earlier works, this is a very different-looking uh, film, but it's certainly no less enjoyable for all of that. Yeah, it's... Um, we did remark on it a bit in our um, discussion of Once Upon a Time in Mexico in the other episode, but it is strange to see that he managed to like go downhill in terms, at least of this story, from yeah. the beginning. <laughs> um, it's like, and you say to, I mean, it doesn't look like it's shot on a budget. Well, or rather, it does look like it's shot, but yeah, it does, but it doesn't look like it's shot on a seven thousand dollar budget. No, no. I think I don't. I actually meant to check this. The only other film I could think that's even approaching this sort of crazy level of budget is maybe Primer, which you can understand because they basically needed a storage space um, and somebody's garage. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> this is actually shot. I mean, it's shot in Mexico, so presumably the shooting costs are less. But it has gunfire and it's in colour and it's in the middle of a city and stuff. So it's like it's kind of impressive that you got so much out of so little. Yeah, and in an era where you can't um, try and slap dash on some really cheap CG effects to, you know, cover up muzzle, muzzle flashes and blood, as terrible as that always looks, it's which is exactly what we did once upon a time in Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> even with considerably more budget. Um, yeah, it's you just have to go with what you've got on the set. Yes, that looks all the more authentic for it. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say Robert Rodriguez is one of those people who really suffers for. Like having more budget, you sometimes find that someday some people perform really well with a restricted budget, mm-hmm. and when they they're basically given free reign, they just really spaff it up the wall, and they just <laughs> they have no. Um, because, I mean, I suspect the issue with Sin City in terms of a relative lack of substance is more Frank Miller's problem than Robert Rodriguez's, but um, it's still he's still done a particularly good-looking film there with a very clear visual style. Oh, yeah. yeah. other people, they're just like, they've got a budget, like, oh, I don't know what to do with this, and just made an absolute turd of a film. Yeah. So I wouldn't accuse him of that. 
Yeah, but it's a promising start, and you see this, and you can see why. Um, I, I almost wonder why he's not bigger. Um, but I'm going to blame the three Spy Kids films and then Shark Boy versus Lava Girl because that was a weird detour. I know they did it for his own kids, but that was odd. Yes. <laughs> I mean, even, you know, you've got things like um, the Machete films, which Machete's one and a quarter of a good film, the two Machete films together. So, yeah. Which is quite impressive given that the whole thing at all came out of a spoof trailer. Yeah. Still not quite so, got around to watching Hobo with a shotgun, but I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> So he's um, he's definitely got some sort of inventiveness there. Actually, which is why when we get to his more recent stuff, perhaps Battle Angel later becomes all the more disappointing. Yeah. Um, again, though, it's, I suspect it's less Rodriguez's fault because uh, he handles the action in that well. It seems I think the script is the lacking thing there. Yeah, I think the boy needs a good editor. Or, that pra- could too, or perhaps someone just to slap him upside the head when he gets a stupid idea and run for <laughs> it. But, uh, for you know, style over substance, you can't really claim that you don't see where the money's gone. He, he always yes. seems to put pretty much every dollar up on the screen. Um, it's just whether that's been in service of a good idea or not seems to be his occasional problem. I say, you know, I know, I, I, I should, I'll, 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 just to clear it up, I did quite like Sin City. Um, Substance, style over substance, I know, was levelled at it quite a lot, but not for me. I thought Sin City was actually pretty good, um, and I even the follow-up was... Yeah. I thought they were fairly mm-hmm. even in terms of how much I enjoyed both the first and second Sin City. I mean, you certainly can say Swasty's film, because Spy Kids 3D with not one, but many, or at least two, um, Sylvester Stallones, that's clearly the best of things. Yes. Sylvester Stallone sort of making fun of himself and multiple versions <laughs> of him. Okay. <laughs> right, though, we'll move on to Desperado, I guess, Scott. Yes, so three years later, and with the better part of $7 million more to spend on it, which is basically $7 million more, uh, Rodriguez returns to the mariachi character, if not the actor. Antonio Banderas picks up the guitar case, and this time around he's much happier with it being full of guns. He's apparently now out to kill all drug lords, and he's going after a kingpin called Bucho, stymied somewhat by not knowing what he looks like. However, he looks like... Joaquim de Almeida, because that's who's playing him. Mariachi is aided in this by his friend Buscemi, played by, check notes, Steve Buscemi? God <laughs> damn it, Chad, I thought I told you to sub-edit this. It can't possibly be. You're sure? Jesus. Uh, anyway, aided by Buscemi, he starts shaking the trees and seeing what falls out, and that's largely Butchel's goons and automatic weapons. During one exchange, he saves the life of Salma Hayek's bookstore and cafe owner, Carolina, and the two strike up a relationship. However, this will be complicated by the shocking coincidence that she's kind of sort of in a relationship with Bucco. Uh, a coincidence only topped by the revelation of Bucco's true identity, uncovered in the final confrontation with Mariachi, which is intentionally, I'm sure, straight out of a telenovela. While plotting this sort of thing is never really a primary concern, even by the genre's low standards, this is a bit of a muddle, and frankly a bit of a step downwards from El Mariachi, a trend line that unfortunately continued downwards with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. However, having more budget and, well, a crew does allow for a few upgrades. While no one's really being stretched here, no one's going to say no to Banderas and Hayek's involvement and bringing on Guillermo Navarro as a cinematographer, who would go on to a number of fruitful Del Toro collaborations, lends for a very nice-looking slice of action. And, of course, he has the obvious advantage of shooting on 35mm film and not the 3.5mm film that had to be used in El Mariachi. (laughs) 
Now, I'm not sure at this point I've got all that much more to tell you about Desperado. It's a very slickly executed, enjoyable action flick, owing a fair amount to the 80s excess heyday of the genre, as opposed to the watered-down PG-friendly trend that would have been in full swing even back when this was created. Sure, the plot's barely worth bothering about, but there's enough charisma from the leads to bluster through, and supporting turns from the actors and the pyrotechnics help things along nicely. So, compared to El Mariachi, you do rather miss out on spotting the moments of budget-stretching ingenuity, and the much more coherent plot, but you gain a whole bucket load of slickness. Which is better? Well, that's perhaps a matter of taste. I'd recommend that you watch both and make your own mind up. Yes, but the correct answer is the first one, obviously. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't have a a lot to add to that, Scott. It was originally proposed, Desperado, as an English-language remake of the first one, and I think a little of that still persists in the plot. Uh, yeah, because, it's, it's similar to the first yeah. one, but it's not identical, it's similar. It's and Salma Hayek may as well be Domino, though, that's yes. perhaps the, the closest part. I mean, it's got Quentin Tarantino in it, so that's, <laughs> there's that. Which is, <laughs> as much as I like Quentin Tarantino's film, I do not enjoy seeing Quentin Tarantino on screen. <sighs> on the plus side, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's a fun film, it, the the revelation of Butcho's identity though is is definitely one of those oh go and do something yes. nasty to yourself kind of things because yeah. it's unnecessary and impossible to believe. It's like why did it need to be that? And there was no suggestion of that at any point up to this point. The two films so that came out of nowhere. It's like yeah, nah. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun. I like Antonio Banderas a lot. He's um, certainly doing a pretty good job there he's i don't know how good his accent is in terms of sound like a mexican but i know he certainly managed to not use the spanish sort of lisp s sound yeah so he's certainly worked on in there but he's likable like sam hayek a lot strange though that your very successful mexican film that got you on the map you'd come to make a sequel and recast your lead as a spaniard your villain as a portuguese mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of oh, uh, you put Quentin Tarantino in at all uh, <laughs> a couple of weird cast choices not that they're bad it just seems odd mm. uh, Danny Trejo maybe underused but I guess that's so they could bring him back to waste him by having him in the third film at all and <laughs> hope you forget he's in this yeah. this change his name's uh, Navajas which I think is, means blades mm. um, again he doesn't have the best character names really <laughs> But functional, yeah. Musta- big moustache man. Um, <laughs> who apparently can kill people, including Steve Buscemi, by throwing a couple of knives maybe a centimetre into their torso, where where all the vital stuff is, I guess. Hit <laughs> him right in the chakra. Uh, yeah. These are, of course, the things I think about when I watch any film. So, <laughs> um, you may not be bothered by such things. It, it just all struck me as a little ridiculous. You've seen Steve Buscemi lying in the street and like, yeah, but they're, they're barely in his skin. Why is he dead? <laughs> Oh, right, I get it. He died of plot. Okay. <laughs> the knives were coated with a potent neurodoxin, as well you know. Ah, right. It, it's set up in the comic books in the expanded Mariachi universe. <laughs> but yeah, they're a good pair, and I kind of feel like they should have stopped there, because given how poor yeah. Once Upon a Time in Mexico is, it's, it, it's so strange, though, to... I mean, again, I'm not going to say too much, because we did speak about it in that other episode, but... It's strange to have two films with the Mariachi character and take the third f- character and have him be a side character. Yes. Fill the third film and have him be a side character. Very strange. Yeah, um, I do wonder if there was much point in creating a franchise, if you like, about the Mariachi character as well. Um, 
particularly because the mariachi character in Desperado isn't really all that related to the one that was in the first one. In terms of the first one, it was it's a case of mistaken identities, really. You know, he is shocked about having to kill someone, all these kind of things. But by this point, he's just random assassin number five. So why not yeah. just make it about random assassin number five and have a completely different film? Yeah, because he's... In the first film, he's just a, this kind of kind of nice, likable young guy um, just looking for a job. Mm. Um, and then a crap ton of horrible stuff happens to him um, just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, Desperado, the marriage has become... He's basically a vigilante. Yes. And Death Wish and a thousand other films have had basically that character. Whereas, I guess, El Marriage feels a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't necessarily at the end of um, El Marachi get the sense that this was where the character would head uh, as well. It, it doesn't quite follow for me for no. that as well. Because uh, it didn't seem like he'd be violent or anything. It's like, I, I managed to get away from this with my life. Okay, I'll just try and stay away from all of this nonsense in the future. Yeah. So yeah, they, they do sort of feel quite tenuously linked character-wise, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not to say it's not worth watching, of course. They're fun films. Oh, absolutely. Um, and if you like Rodriguez's other stuff, you should definitely watch the first film, just see where it all began. Mm-hmm. See his inventiveness, that kind of energy brought to that first film without having a great plot or anything and much to work with, but you just, you've got a, the kind of fun film out of that. Yeah. And then Desperado, because it's, it's an interesting follow-up. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I'm so, I'll waffle now, because I'm not quite sure how to finish this, so... <laughs> Well, maybe you could do that, Scott. Yes. We like both of these films. If you like action films, then you should watch these films. That is our review. Thank you. So thanks very much for joining us on this little expedition. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us for this or any other reason, then please do so. Twitter, it's there, at FudsOnFilm, or through Facebook at facebook.com slash FudsOnFilm, or through emails at podcast at FudsOnFilm.com. But until such time as we speak again, I shall bid you adieu, and I'm sure that Drew Tamdale shall do too. Hasta luego. Ta-da! Ta-da!